called to be about as a church here at Wellspring is just, um, just serving and loving kids in general. And so it's been exciting to see some of the ways that God has opened doors for us um, here, uh, even just in our own neighborhood and, and, and mentoring students and caring for kids uh, at Edison, uh, to see people like Tammy and, and many others who maybe sponsor kids through Compassion or people who are, like I say, in an adoption process or um, doing some kinds of things like that. But we also are concerned with just church-wide um, and, and what uh, we're going to pour our time and energies and resources into as a young church. And um, so one of the things that we've done, some of you guys have been a part of our uh, mission trips to El Salvador the last uh, three summers. We'll be getting ready to do our third summer of trips here in, a, in a, just a, another month or so, um, building wells uh, in communities. Um, and there's some very tangible uh, you know, uh, things that happen there. You, you really get to you know, get your hands dirty building and, and getting to know this community uh, of people. Um, it's a great introductory step into mission work. If you're going on a first-time mission trip somewhere, it's a, it's a great thing to get involved with. One of the things, though, over time we really kind of started to think about was just wanting to have some ongoing relationships with some people. Um, and, and in some ways, living water in our trips to El Salvador, you're going to a different community every year. So it's hard to have a consistent ongoing relationship with people. So I'm uh, friends with a, another pastor here in town at the Edge. Um, his name's Jim Morgan. And his church is similar in, uh, in duration to ours, about five or six years. And uh, so we both were kind of praying and saying, God, where do you want us to invest um, uh, in, in mission work and specifically how can we do it in partnership with, with maybe some other churches. Um, so uh, Jim actually came across uh, this organization called World Orphans and uh, what we really love about it um, is they have a kind of a holistic approach uh, to caring for orphans. Um, the first thing that they want to do is try to figure out what is causing um, orphans in a particular community and address those issues from an educational standpoint um, so that maybe those kids don't end up in that situation. The second step would be to find churches that have a heart uh, for helping uh, orphans and see if there are families in the church who would be willing to foster parent or adopt those children. And then the final step would be uh, building uh, an actual orphanage and providing care uh, for those children. So um, last uh, February, uh, Jim and I flew down to Managua, Nicaragua, and uh, met with uh, a church there uh, that's been in the country for about 30 years. It was started by an American, actually, um, and the church is called Verbo, V-E-R-B-O, church. And they, uh, over the course of 30 years, they've planted about 10 different uh, churches around the country of Nicaragua. So we met several pastors on that trip and visited some sites and um, got to meet a guy named Ed, um, very Nicaraguan name. His last name is Jemski. So he's like a Polish Nicaraguan, I guess. I don't know what, what the scoop is. But um, anyways, um, Ed uh, actually came up here last May uh, with uh, another guy from Old Orphans in the United States named Jesse Blaine, who came and spoke to our church last May a little bit. Um, so we had an opportunity to meet with him and uh, get to know his heart a little bit more. And uh, so we've been kind of had ongoing conversations with them throughout this past year. Um, we've been working on a, an architectural design for building an orphanage down there. And so just a couple weeks ago, Steve Nichols, here in the green shirt, wave your hand, Steve, there you go. Him and I and about five people from the edge flew down and, um, and began kind of 
getting the nuts and bolts starting to figure it out a little bit more. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that trip with you and kind of let you know where we're at and what some of our next steps might be along the way. Uh, first of all, just as a little bit of a reminder, I'm going to show you a picture of a map of Nicaragua so you can have some sense of, of where we're at. Um, the capital um, is over here on the left side, um, Managua, and Blue Fields uh, is over on the Atlantic coast, uh, actually in a little bay. Um, so you have to go on a boat about 15 minutes to actually get to the ocean. So there's kind of a little bay that you come into um, where pirates used to hide back in the day. So anyway, so what we did was we flew into Managua um, and then you would take about an hour and five or 10 minute flight over to Bluefields. And the next slide is a picture of us on getting off the plane. Uh, so it was about a four, 12 to 13, 14 seater. Um, I'm giving my Richard Nixon pose my best impression I can. Um, so we flew into this one strip, um, uh, little airstrip there in Bluefields. So go ahead and go to the next one. This is, um, uh, this is from the, the roof of Pastor Ed's house. Um, over the years and just different groups that have come down there, um, it, it's a really, really poor town. So like having a group from the United States come and stay in what they called their hotels would be pretty, pretty rough. And so what mission groups have done over the, over the years is helped kind of build on to the pastor's house and really make it into the guest house. Um, so you stay at his house, and so they've built, built onto that. And uh, so this is from the roof. You can see a lot of the houses there, metal roofs, and um, go ahead to the next one. This is also the view from his house looking out uh, to, the, to the bay there. It's very pretty, very temperate climate. Um, go ahead. Uh, this is just a scene on the streets there. Um, uh, even just from the comparison between where we were in Managua last year, obviously, which is a capital, inner city type environment, um, there literally were hardly any cars on the streets. Very few people own an automobile, but there were taxis like crazy, um, little like smart car size taxis people would get in and drive around. Um, some of the things that really, you know, started to make you understand that this, this town was extremely impoverished was just the stores that you would go to on the street didn't always necessarily sell new things. Um, it was kind of like a giant flea market, really, and there was like used toys that were, you know, to varying degrees of, of uh, cleanliness and disintegration um, for sale uh, in their market. So I think part of the deal is that they just realized that there aren't people there who really could afford to buy um, Nike shoes or whatever it is, so why try to sell them? So they have a lot of knockoff brands of things, things that kind of look like Jordan flying through the air, but really aren't. Um, so that's kind of what the, the city streets look like a little bit. Go ahead and go to the next one. This is Pastor Ed and his wife, Lilia, I think is her name. Um, it was always kind of hard to figure out exactly what her name was. She had a tricky one, but um, they are a great couple. They've been in Bluefields for over 20 years, raised uh, their kids there. Um, and their hands are just in a lot of different things uh, in the community. And we went to, to lots of different um, neighborhoods. Um, and it was interesting, too, because there's six different ethnic groups in the town. And so you never knew, walking up from one part of town to the next, what language the people were going to speak to you. It could be Spanish, could be English, could be um, Mosquito. Uh, I mean, it was just, could be Creole. Uh, so you kind of had that moment of awkwardness where you're like, what are you going to say? Are you going to understand me? Um, so, but going to all these different parts of this town, it's a town of around um, 50,000 people. Um, people knew this guy. 
And, and people knew him because he'd been in their home and he'd prayed for them. And um, he would just walk right into people's houses, like fearless. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what they do there. But um, you know, I'm always like, do we knock? Is it okay? You know, and you just, bam, he's, before you know it, he's in the house and he's talking to people and praying for them. And, um, and she is the director of the school that they started, um, which you'll see another picture of here in a minute. Go ahead. Um, one of the great things that's happened uh, over the course of this past year was just about a week before we went, this couple, uh, Amanda, and then go to the next slide, her husband Jacques, who is from South Africa, um, they just moved down there to Managua with World Orphans. And so they are kind of missionaries on the ground in the country, going to oversee all the development with World Orphans, whatever you know, expansion and other things they do, other projects around the country. So having Amanda and Jacques with us was very helpful. For one thing, she was fluid in Spanish, um, but also just in the conversations and negotiations of some things, she was, she was very helpful. So we'll probably be traveling with them quite a bit if we're on trips. Go ahead. This is the inside of Pastor Ed's house. He's over there on the right, and us kind of sitting around um, his living room at night. Um, you know, there's upstairs, you see the stairs going up. There's just different rooms with uh, bunk beds and stuff in them, showers. Um, we had a, our own little um, a chef that they hire when troops, groups come in to cook food there. So we eat most of our meals there uh, in the house. The guy looked like Cuba Gooding, uh, an older version of Cuba Gooding. So anyways, that's neither here nor there. But um, Okay, go ahead and go to the next one. Um, at their church, they have this little canopy area outside where they do a feeding program every day. And uh, it's primarily funded through Samaritan's Purse, which is the organization that does uh, Operation Christmas Child and, and uh, the Japan Relief that we just gave to. But they feed about 150 kids a day there in the kitchen. And um, it's not kids just from their church. It's just any kids in the neighborhood that, that find their way there. And they do some Bible lessons with the kids and, and play games with them. And so uh, if you go on, there's another picture here of just some some girls eating food in a you know, wide range of ages, too. I mean, all the way down to probably two-year-olds, you know, on up to teenagers uh, were there. Um, go ahead. Um, these were a couple of guys. Uh, the one on the right was, thought he was pretty hot stuff. It's funny because in Nicaragua, uh, baseball is the major sport, uh, not soccer. So I, I took a hacky sack with me because um, that's usually a great attractor with kids, you know, and, I'm, and in El Salvador, we play hacky sack all day. Those kids took the hacky sack and wanted to play baseball with it, and so we, it, we, we threw it up with our, ha- with our hand and hit it, and we played baseball. So anyways, so these guys were gamers. I love this picture. This girl is trying to get everything out of that sucker that she can. Uh, gave her some candy, so uh, go ahead. Um, this guy just wanted to take a nap, uh, and so I got to hold him, and um, so it's just, it's just a great community around the school, the feeding program. The kids kind of hang around there in the afternoon as well. Go ahead. This is a school um, that they started, and um, it's, I think they've got about 300 students there um, that they try to, to care for. A lot of those students, they have to find scholarship money for them to, to go uh, to enable to, to pay for the teachers and, and things like that, so... Um, you know, it's a challenge for them each year, uh, but they, uh, I, th- I think it goes through high school. Steve, do you remember? Yeah, through high school, which a lot of schools that maybe are the government-run schools only go through eighth grade, and so to go on to high schools is pretty unique there, but um, so they would gather them all together there in the morning in the little um, courtyard. Um, go ahead. Um, as you go around town, um, you start to see some things, some some 
industry, one of the things that was really difficult to figure out was what do these people do to make any money? Um, there, there are no like manufacturing jobs, no warehouses, very few stores. Most of them are kind of mom and pop. Literally, people open up a, you know, like a, a garage in front of their house and sell Cokes and chips and things like that just kind of out of their home. Um, so one, one thing that some people do is they um, crush rocks with hammers all day and, um, and then sell them to construction-type companies. Go ahead and go to the next one. So you can see people there with their hammers um, breaking the rocks into little piles, and the smaller you make the rock, uh, the more valuable it is. Um, so they make them into different sizes. Um, and then go ahead to the next one. Um, that's just a family there. We ran into a, a mother with seven kids whose husband was ill, and, and all of the kids were out pounding rocks all day. Um, go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, you know, you've got women. This, this uh, baby was, I think, just maybe not even a month old um, out there. They put up these little tents there to, to sit under in the shade because it's just uh, the sun's beating down on them all day. Um, go ahead. What they would do then is put these rocks into these bags, and um, they said that they would have to sell about 20 bags uh, of rocks for $5. Um, now, part of the problem is that um, they don't have automobiles, and so they have to have somebody that takes the rocks to the construction people. So you've got a middleman who's making some money off of this deal too, the guy who's got the truck. So he's coming, he's saying, hey, I'll give it to you for five bucks, or I'll, you know, I'll see, and, then, and then he'll go and sell it for more, obviously. And so all the middlemen kind of bump their price up, but the guy on the bottom ground is obviously doing a lot of work for not much money. So um, go ahead. Uh, close to that, literally just right down the hill, um, is the town dump. And um, so that's kind of the view. So it's just kind of this continual fire uh, going on. Uh, go to the next one. Uh, there's lots of pigs in the town dump just kind of wandering around, eating food. Um, go ahead to the next one. And here's a kid in the dump putting his hands in his mouth, uh, which I would not recommend uh, if you go there at all. Um, but actually, uh, there, was, there was just down the hill, there was a little community of metal shacks and, and people that, that really kind of make their living off going to the dump, collecting um, you know, recyclable things, whatever they could get out of there. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, this is Pastor Ed kind of engaging with these kids there. The two boys on the left, uh, we found out, were, were orphans that um, have kind of just been, I guess, living with a family that lives by the dump. Um, so, uh, you know, just there's, there's plenty of opportunity there for kids that need to be cared for. Um, go ahead. Um, one of the other um, industries there, uh, since it's right on the water, they have uh, people that um, uh, to get oysters and shuck oysters. Um, and literally people dive down in the water every day and, and pull these oysters up. We walked into this one community, um, and, the, and the people that were living right along the bay, um, their yards were literally covered in oyster shells. It was like that was their grass <laughs> uh, with oyster shells everywhere. And, uh, and those things are um, brittle and sharp, and little kids are walking around barefoot. and I mean, just bizarre. Um, but they also get shrimp. Um, and different, uh, you know, fish and things like that. So that would maybe be uh, somewhat of an economy, but they don't have canneries or anything like that to actually, you know, take the fish and produce something that then they could ship and sell uh, in other markets. So it's just kind of you catch it and sell what you can on the streets kind of a deal. So we took a boat one day, if you go to the next slide, uh, over to an island that was a little bit um, uh, just out, 
maybe 15 minutes by boat um, and, and spend a little bit of time there on this island. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one. Pastor Ed, you see him in the back. Whenever he shows up places, um, he had been to this, this town before. Um, he just, we literally got off the boat like a few feet from there. He popped up on shore and the kids just all sat down ready to hear their Bible story um, because they just knew him and knew that that's what he was about. And so they all sat down and he told uh, a quick story from the Bible. Um, and we just kind of walked around town and uh, played with the kids and stuff. It was a, a great, fun day. Uh, that's just an example of like some houses that are like on the shore, kind of what they look like, obviously up on stilts, wood, metal roof maybe, or thatch roof. A lot of times kind of one room, maybe two at the most. Um, go ahead. Uh, that's a little bit closer up picture of, of, of a house with uh, just kind of seeing the boards and stuff. Go ahead. This is one of my favorites. This girl had set up shop, man. She was looking for clients. She was going to beautify you. Um, so we, we walked into this one community, the oyster community, and uh, you literally walked on an alley about this wide, uh, just through just rows and rows of houses everywhere. And... Um, uh, it just was a wild scene. So uh, very, very crammed together. Go ahead. Uh, this is Steve with some kids. So just proof that he was there. He didn't actually just, you know, get off the plane in Houston and hang out all week. So he made it there. Uh, go ahead. Um, okay. So if you're thinking in terms of location, um, you've got the most part of the town is kind of down on the coast. And if you drive up the hill a little bit, you would get to the Verbo uh, School. Um, and then if you kept going on up the hill... Uh, you would get to the dump and then the rock quarry. Um, and then just down from the dump and the rock quarry, about maybe a couple hundred yards, um, are these two houses in kind of a field. These houses were built uh, by the church and some, some missionary folks that gave some money for some families in Edge Church that single moms that needed some homes. And so they helped build these houses. And this is also the location just right behind them. Um, if you look into the next picture, um, Ed is standing there. Um, where the orphanage is going to be built, and we're going to kind of clear those trees out, and you'll be able to look out into the bay. Um, and from there, they're going to build a path that you can just walk right down to the school. The kids are going to be there. Um, but just in terms of location, it's going to be very close to the town dump, the rock quarry, that area, but also not far from the school. Um, so I just wanted to give you some, some visual um, things. Uh, I think that's all we have for picture-wise. Um, we had a lot of video, but the hard drive crashed. Uh, so we don't know if we're ever going to get to see any of it. So we had interviews with people, and it was going to be cool. But anyways. Um, so where we're at in the process with that is, um, you know, through this past Advent season leading up to Christmas, we helped raise some money. So did The Edge. And we, between us, we got about $22,000. Um, so they are going to begin construction here in the next month, clearing off the land, building a, a road for uh, construction people to get into. Um, our goal, we're going to need to raise about 50 grand to finish up this project in its entirety. When it's done, it's going to provide um, a, a home for 12 orphans, um, kind of on an ongoing basis. So as kids leave, new kids will come. And then there'll be two families, uh, kind of house parents, that'll take care of six kids um, and so it's not going to be like a huge orphanage, you know, like Annie or something. The model is really, hey, we want to have parents, you know, who can care for these kids. And it's not in this overwhelming situation where these kids don't get love and attention. So that's what it's going to look like. Um, the things that we'll provide beyond that uh, initial money just to build it is just the monthly um, food, clothing, school, um, school fees for those kids to go to school. Um, 
salaries for the families, workers that are going to be there that will be from Edge Church. Um, and this will probably be about a six or seven year partnership that we will have with them. Along the way, we'll help them establish a self-sustaining business um, that that orphanage can do and train uh, those kids uh, to have some kind of vocational skills as well to create income so they can care for themselves. And so every year, um, our giving to them will go down 15% until they're kind of weaned off of our support and they're self-sustaining, and then we can move on to whatever else God might have for us uh, in that time. So the trips that we take down there, uh, which I think our first one will probably be like in November and then maybe in next February, and then probably the following summer, we'll probably try to take two to three trips a year. Um, we're going to allow their, their folks to, um, to do the construction because those folks need jobs. And so we're not going to go down and build the orphanage. Um, we're going to you know, hire local workers so they can take care of their families. Um, so the things that we do will be more specific uh, to just the needs that are there and also the talents uh, that, that our people and, and the Edge Church as we go together might possess. So one of the trips might be like a medical team where we take down all of our nurses and doctors in our communities and go provide some clinics and some care for people. We could be a group of people that are excited about going down and leading a vacation Bible school for kids. Um, and their, their schools go are off uh, during December and January. Uh, so, so it's like a February through November school year for them. So so the winter months is when they're kind of their summertime. Um, you know, there could be some trips where we just do discipleship training uh, for lay leaders, pastors there, vocational training for people, um, helping to establish businesses and things like that. So, so each trip will probably have a specific emphasis that we'll let you know about in advance. Hey, these are the kinds of activities we're going to do, the kinds of people that we're looking for to go on this trip. Um, so... In the end, where I kind of wanted to get with today, besides just updating you on this stuff, is just kind of what does this mean for you um, and us as a, as a church? And I think the first thing that, um, you know, whenever you hear things like this and see some of the things that Tammy shared about Ethiopia, and, um, and you know, if you have a pulse, um, hopefully, and if you have a heart, your, your heart's stirred in some way, you're thinking, man, I, I would love to go and serve and, and do something to care for those folks. I think while that's a great um, thought, I really think the first thought, the first step that we can, we can take, because it, it's a daily thing, is that we need, all need to fall more in love with Christ, that that is our first goal. Uh, because if we spend time with him, if we spend time in his word, um, his passion for, for orphans and the widows and the poor, it, it's going to rub, rub, rub off on us um, and give us the right desires, the right perspective, the right heart as we go and serve because, um, again, it's not about us going down there and saving Nicaragua and all these Americans that, you know, have all the money and, and the smarts and the know-how. It's, it's not any of that. Uh, it's going down, seeing those folks as, as equals um, and knowing that God has, you know, put us in a situation and blessed us with some things. He's also blessed them with some things that they can teach us and we can learn from, and it's, it's, it's really a, a partnership. Um, so having the right heart and the right perspective, I think, is important. And I think as you get to know Christ more, um, his passion for, for those people is going to rub off on you anyways. Um, but secondly, I think you, we do need to begin praying, each one of us, um, about, God, where do you want me to be a player in this whole um, idea of just of reaching out to people in this world that, um, that are lost and hurting, um, whether it's here or, or worldwide? 
um, and caring for orphans, um, because that is obviously something that is on God's heart. And so for some of you, it, it might look uh, differently. It might be adoption. It might be, um, you know, paying, helping financially to fund people going on trips. Maybe God has blessed your business or blessed your industry, and you can, you can do that. Maybe, you know, you're supposed to go and, and, and learn some things and serve there. Uh, maybe you're supposed to uh, adopt a sponsored child through uh, many different organizations uh, that you can have a relationship with. But um, it, it's, it's, it's going to be something because that, that's, that's God's heart. And uh, so we want to help communicate to you all the different options that are out there and ways that you can serve and come alongside what God is doing in this world. So we're excited about that, what that's going to mean for us in the future um, through World Orphans. And um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and we'll finish up our service this morning. Heavenly Father, we um, are just grateful for what you've led us to. Um, it's really fun to do it in partnership with another church. Um, God, and just get a kingdom perspective that it's not just about us here at Wellspring and and what we're going to do, but, um, but God, that you call us to work together to um, pool our resources and uh, to be most effective to reach people. God, I thank you for Pastor Ed and his wife who um, themselves have taken in over 20 kids into their own home and foster parented them uh, for varying lengths of time. I thank you for the example they set of, uh, of just people who have your heart for children. I thank you for how much fun it is to watch them in action caring for the people in their community, God, and uh, Lord, dealing with the daily knocks on the door and the people standing outside asking for help. And Lord, I just pray for discernment for them, um, knowing what it's like that, um, that people just assume that because they have relationships with Americans, American churches, that they have extra money to, to give out. I know that's got to be draining on them on a daily basis. So I pray that you would just um, encourage them and uh, support them, God. Pray that you continue to um, to help us as we negotiate with the construction folks to, to, to come up with a plan that's going to work and, and begin construction on this building. God, I just pray in advance for the kids that are going to grow up in those, um, that home. Lord, that you provide the right house parents to love and care for them. God, that you would equip them, teach them, um, give them hope, give them a relationship with you, God, and just to know that their life can be different. It could be full, it could be abundant, God, and that you could use them to do great things in that country. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we finish up today.